Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to this latest episode of CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. Twice a month, we produce this video show and podcast with the generous support of my friends at CIO.com and the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and to our CIO channel on YouTube. And we welcome any of our viewers today to join in today's conversation with questions of your own. We have uh, editors watching the chat and we'll be sure to pass along those questions to me as I go through our show today with our esteemed guest, who is Ryan Kane. He is the CIO of Total Quality Logistics. Based in Cincinnati, Ohio, TQL is the second largest freight brokerage firm in North America and Mexico. This fast-growing $8.8 billion business provides domestic and international freight transportation and logistics services across a supply chain network of more than 160,000 carriers. Ryan came to TQL in October 2021, bringing with him to this first CIO role for him more than 20 years of technology leadership experience in complex Fortune 50 environments. Before he joined TQL, he was with the Kroger Company for more than 14 years, his most recent role there being Vice President of Technology Strategy and Operations for the grocery retail giant. Prior to Kroger, he held several management positions in platform engineering and software delivery with automotive retailer Reynolds and Reynolds. And in March of this year, in recognition of all of the work he's done in enterprise data strategy, Ryan was invited to join the global editorial board of Chief Data Officer Magazine. Ryan, it's so good to have you here today. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Mary friend. That was a great intro. I appreciate that. Oh well, I'm you've been out there working working on all the fodder for such an intro. Let's start out with uh, some context for the audience about TQL's business. I know it's been experienced real hyper growth during the last especially these disruptive pandemic years and I wondered how that shaped your goals coming in as the new CIO and uh what kind of a company it's not when people hear logistics they think that it's a company that's running a lot of trucks on the highways, but from what we've talked already, that's a very different, you you run a very different business as the CIO. So take us through that. Yeah, you know, give a little context as to, you know, total quality logistics, what what we do. And, you know, as I worked at, at Kroger and came over here, it, it was exactly what you're saying. Everything I had known about supply chain, this was a little bit different. This was a different mm -hmm. component. Um, so the way to think about total quality logistics is we're more of a matchmaker. So you think about shippers out there, they need to move freight. Uh, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to find all kinds of people to move that freight for them in the best, uh, most economical, uh, highly available performant way that they can. Mm -hmm. So we sit in the middle and we play that matchmaker uh, to ensure that, you know, we're taking, you know, that that shipper and whatever they need to move. And that could be anything from, you know, bales of hay to finished rocket parts for NASA and everything <laughs> between. And then we go find the best ship or best carriers out there to do that for them. Um, and that, you know, our bread and butter really is full truckload. And when we say full truckload or FTL, mm -hmm. we're referring to the semis you see on the road. 
yes. uh, which is a huge part of um, really how the country operates. 70% of all goods that move throughout North America at one point or another are on a truck. Mm -hmm. so I, I remember it, when you told me that when we talked last and I was, it, it was really caught me by surprise. Yeah. I was thinking most of it was, you know, I don't know, flying around or being on ships and boats and that kind of thing, but 70% on trucks. 70% on trucks. And mm -hmm. you know, we, that's, that is the core of our business. But as you said, well, you know, there, there's stuff also moving around on planes, on rail cars, ocean, stuff that gets, you know, put into warehouses. So we actually operate in 14, I'm sorry, 15 different modes um, to be able to satisfy the supply chain um, movement needs uh, for all of those shippers out there. So, um, you know, as you, you mentioned there, we have gone through some explosive growth over the last several years. Yeah. If you look back at 2019, our uh, gross revenue was about three and a half billion dollars. Um, we finished last year slightly under nine billion at 8.8. .8. Um, and you didn't do that by acquiring other freight brokers. You uh, that our, was all organic growth, from what you've all told of me. Our growth has been organic. Okay. Um, so we've doubled, um, or just about doubled, the amount of associates we've had mm -hmm. uh, across the company. Um, you know, obviously over doubled our revenue. Um, we've about doubled our real estate footprint. I mean, everything mm -hmm. is just grow, grow, grow. And um, so it, it's been pretty remarkable, you know, from a, a business and operations perspective. And then we need to think about, okay, what is all the IT that has to happen to enable that? Yeah. And it, that's a testament to our IT team that we have here, being able to keep up with that growth. There's so many mm -hmm. times you're moving that fast, that ultra curve that you're on, that it isn't get out in front always. Sometimes yeah. say, you know, keep up, you know, continue to feed the beast as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's um, my predecessor, George Ruick and the team here have done just an amazing job, you know, over the past, you know, decade plus preparing us uh, for where we are today. Um, wow. So it is a very exciting time. And, you know, we looked, uh, look forward to seeing that growth continue. Yeah. Well, I know how much fun it can be for CIOs when they're in a hyper growth kind of company and the sort of, you know, the 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 problems that presents, but all the problems it gives you to solve, I guess, as companies get bigger and faster. Now, um, TQL is today at 8.8 .8 billion and you're number two in the market. The entire market size is a $400 billion industry. And at 8.8, .8, you're number two in the field. So there's a lot of very small businesses that essentially make up freight brokerage. Yeah, it is a highly fragmented market. I guess. Uh, extremely mm -hmm. fragmented market. So when you think about the potential complexities that could come from that, when you think about those 15 different modes, the tens of thousands of customers, the hundreds of thousands of carriers, um, and then, yeah, and competing with, you know, thousands of players, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of variability um, within our market and, and a lot of opportunity. That's really how we see it is there's a huge upside within this market. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really, you know, when we look at what sets us apart, uh, you know, across all these many, many, you know, players uh, across this fragmented market, it's our customer service. So oh, okay, our customer service is really at the heart of everything we do. Um, we have signage all over our, our facilities. You'll see 24 by seven by 365. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, we want to be there for our, our customers and our carriers any hour of the day, any day of the week, you know, any, any, you know, part during the year. So if there's any issues that they have come up, you know, what are, they have a, they were working with somebody else, maybe something didn't go as planned and they mm-hmm. need to just to jump in right now and help them. That's where we come in and we can do that. And that we've built that trust uh, with those customers and the carriers over time because the customer service is, is so, so great. Yes. Um, well, and when you were first telling me about this, I was making the assumption, the leap that so many people in the tech industry do that, oh, 24-7, it must mean that's a whole digital business. But you're talking about people on phones. Yeah. So yeah. You know, think about the, the freight brokerage market. There's really sort of this spectrum to it. Um, so on one end of the spectrum is this high touch enabled by technology. Yes. But the broker is on the phone. Our our support individuals, let's say a carrier has an issue, they're calling, they're talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, This is this high touch enabled by tech end of of the spectrum. Uh, This is where we play the strongest. Um, I'm obviously very biased, but I feel like we're the best on this end. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have um, a fully digital model. And within Mm -hmm. this model, there, you don't have necessarily that person calling you, working with you to try to better understand load. You're going to a website, you're going to a mobile app, you're doing everything yeah. digitally. You're, you're clicking around. Yeah. Clicking around. Mm-hmm. And so for us, and certainly as we look towards the future, our sweet spot on this end and this high touch, um, personalized, you know, enabled by tech, that will continue to be our, our primary focus. But we also look from a technology perspective, how are we you know, developing a compelling offering across that entire spectrum? Okay. Which is somewhat tricky, right? Because it really, you have to get into understanding that customer experience and your carrier experience and being able to start to break down those products into components. They say, hey, this place here and we can reuse it somewhere else. Yeah. Everything isn't, you know, this novel new invention. It's how do we start to, you know, attach the Legos maybe a slightly different way but ultimately to meet the customer where they are. Well, and from your past experience at Kroger and grocery retail and then Reynolds and Reynolds, which is automotive, when coming into this, your first CIO role, how did you, you don't, I mean, you have lots of supply chain in your background, but not an entire company around it. How did you get grounded in everything that TQL does in your, say in your first 90 days? Yeah, quite a surprise. So when I came in, um, you when you come into a role like this, you expect that you're going to spend a lot of time with your team. You're going to Mm -hmm. dive right into looking at strategies, uh, understanding business models, and and all the rest. What I spent the first three or four weeks doing is working as a trainee. I was a broker trainee on a team on the phones all day long. And I was talking to... Uh carriers, I was talking to dispatchers, I was talking to drivers and customers, and I was using the technology that we put out there for all of our teammates to use. Mm-hmm. So the stuff there is super easy and familiar. I I got to learn why that is. The stuff yeah. that might be a little bit more challenging. I also got to experience that as well. And as I kind of wrapped up these three or four weeks, you know, working within a broker team, then I moved around and I spent time with our our after hours. And I was sitting with mm-hmm. people in the middle of the night answering calls from from a driver that just broke down on a highway somewhere and needs help. 
Yeah. I was sitting with our accounting teams and watching them and their processes, right? So we invest a lot in our leadership to understand our business because ultimately mm -hmm. the only way they're going to serve the customer, serve the carrier, serve our associate is if you really have a better understanding of, of how all of those things work together. Yeah. And then coming out of that, then it kind of slid more into, I, I think, what a lot of the uh, the audience would think of that traditional transition 90-day period. Sure, where you're evaluating the current technology strategy, you're looking at the platforms and what needs modernizing, what was the spending like? I mean, there are all those traditional approaches. I, I've always really enjoyed the stories from different industries of CIOs who do that, like the new CIO at a big winery business who spends 90 days working in various jobs. I remember one, a, a CIO of a big grocery uh, store chain um, who went and worked in the bakery for a week and talked about all the cakes that he burned <laughs> in, his, in his first week. So I think that idea that technology is hands-on and frontline, you know, those stories were more unusual probably 10 or 15 years ago. But today they seem very much uh, kind of part and parcel of CIOs and the strategic role that you're playing in business, but you're not off on, um, you know, you're not off on technology island. Exactly right. Yeah. So tell me, tell us more about your marching orders a little higher level about when coming in what your C-suite uh, senior colleagues, what they wanted you to accomplish as the new CIO. Yeah. So, you know, throughout our conversation, you know, growth is going to be sort of this theme that's going to be weaved in and out because it mm -hmm. really um, drives you know, most of, of what we do here. Um, so, again, going back to 2018, we had two modes, uh, largely two modes, uh, full truckload and mm -hmm. what's called less than truckload. And that's when multiple customers put pallets on a single truck, drives efficiencies. You don't need the whole thing. So you don't pay for a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden we went through this great growth and, you know, the pandemic hit and there was so much disruption with our customers. Mm -hmm. um, through that, that period, there was a lot of kind of react to where the customer needs are. I'll, let me give you a great yep. example. So a lot of people don't necessarily know what drayage is. Mm -hmm. Drayage is the activity of taking a container off of a ship, putting it on a truck or a rail car and moving it out of port. Yeah, and so um, everybody remembers, you know, the, all the stories of just ships and ships backed up outside the ports. Sure, sure. You know, one of the contributing factors to that was there was not enough drayage capacity to get the containers off and get them the moved. first mile instead of the last mile. Exactly, the first mile. Mm -hmm. So at the time, drayage was a very small part of our business. So this is kind of this nascent line of business for us. We saw that as a huge um, challenge for our customers. Mm -hmm. and jumped in, really leaned into that. And then from a technology perspective, it was how do we start to augment our existing platforms to support drainage more readily? How, where is the automation that we okay. can put in? Um, how do we start to you know create new processes? And over the course of you know less than a year, it goes from this nascent line of business to one of our largest lines of business. Wow. And so again, right. this, this growth mm -hmm. that comes with that. And so... You know, there's example after example like that, that the technology team just continued to rise up and answer the bell uh, throughout the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So now we're on the backside, we'll say, on of that, you know, challenging time. Mm -hmm. And as I came in in October of 21, a lot of the conversation was around, okay, 
we're, we're in a highly complex industry. Um, yes. It's growing very, very fast. Um, and oh, by the way, technology is really starting to pick up its velocity as well. There's all these new things out there that we could start to use. Right. So how do we now take this, what we've have, make sure that it's, it's really tight. Um, it's well, you know, supportable and it is set up to scale for the future so that we can continue on this growth. Maybe look at new markets or new opportunities mm -hmm. out there without feeling that, you know, the technology at some point, you know, could inhibit that growth. Right. Well, so, and I know that we had, we had planned to talk uh, as we get into talking about your enterprise data strategy and generate generative AI. We actually have our first question from our alert watching audience here. And it's, it jumps us ahead a little bit, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How is AI helping you cope with all of the variability and fragmentation of your supply chain universe there? And it's a it's a really good high level question that also gets specific about a technology. So let's leap ahead talking about AI a little bit, and then we'll circle back. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's a lot of times when I have conversations with folks, I have to remind them that AI is more than Gen AI, right? Generative AI, AI yes, is this true. big umbrella, and um, certainly uh, to the to the um, listeners' question, a lot of what we do around our, our data and mm -hmm. data science and our data analytics, it gets into the machine learning and how do we start to surface insights uh, to ah. our brokers, to our support teams, even to our customers and carriers that is appropriate for them to help them make better decisions at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, so as you think about AI, that that's one area where you know, we continue to build out our data strategy um, yeah. so that we're able to say, you know, wherever we can surface data insights, we want to do that. Mm -hmm. We want we want our decisions to be based on you know great data, um, quality data, and relevant data. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot within that data strategy to make that yeah. that happen. And then on the other side, as we kind of look forward into this, you know, more I would say on the experience side of things, this gets into more than the generative AI. It's uh, it's a lot of fun right now, right? It, sure. Yeah. There's more opportunities that and ideas that come forward. And so, whereas, you know, three, four years ago, when you'd have a conversation with a group and you may pull out three or four good ideas about um, different models or mm -hmm. where should we invest in terms of our data and everything was sort of go back to the same themes all the time. But yes. now, when you start asking the questions, because people are out there using it, they're using chat GPT. Right? Mm -hmm. They're reading a lot about it. There's so much inter interest. There's a lot of hype around yeah. it as well. The ideas are all over the place. So all of a sudden now you have this full funnel. And the challenge is less on let's bring ideas together. The challenge now is more like, how do I start to constrict the funnel? And how do we sort through we, all that? Yeah, how do yeah. we sort through it? How do we really know where, where we want to prioritize our investment? Right. Um, so we're, as I think most most folks are right now, um, we're experimenting a little bit, trying a few things, um, but really excited about the potential. Yeah. Well, and I know, and this jumps us uh, again ahead a little bit, but it's um, next month you have one of the annual hackathons coming up yes. for TQL. And that that's one of the ways, and it's not just the tech team uh, playing with the technology, but your CEO and your business folks are involved. Talk a little bit about that, because I know this year's theme happens to be AI. 
Yeah. So uh, each year we do a hackathon. It is absolutely awesome. Um, as I think it's probably the case in a lot of places. Um, but our teams are comprised of you know some of our business users. We have senior engineers. We have interns that take part. So it, it's pretty much just a lot of people with great ideas coming together, um, building, you know, self-forming their own team, self-forming with their own ideas of a potential problem that they want to mm -hmm. go tackle. And then it's it's really gets into like how do we kind of take the take the guardrails off for a little while and yeah. let them experiment. Um, they you know there's a lot of work leading into the actual hackathon start. I think a lot of teams kind of want to get out in front and they they do a lot of work uh, so that when the there's two or three days happen, it is a heads down twenty four by seven activity. Um, yeah. A lot of fun, a lot of you know a lot of snacks and energy drinks that go into uh -huh. that, and then you know from that. We have everybody kind of present. Here's what we we created. We mm -hmm. narrow that down into a group of finalists who then present to members of our executive team. And then the winning team from that ultimately has lunch with our CEO, which is really exciting to see that. And so last year's winners, um, it was a lot around automation and RPA. And yes. that team was comprised of you know, engineers, senior engineers, uh, developers, folks mm -hmm. on automation, as well as two of our interns. Uh, so, it, you oh, know, nice. everybody yeah. kind of leads in together. It's, it's, I'm really looking forward to it. It's a great topic this year. So relevant. I really think that we're probably going to have several things that come out of this year's hackathon that will mm -hmm. quickly find their way onto product roadmaps. Interesting. Okay. Well, I want to, now I want to do some of that pivoting back to find out more about your technology team and yeah. how you have technology for TQL, how you have it structured, how many people you have, do you use a lot of outsourcing? What does the the technology team world look like at TQL? Yes, yeah, so we're about 425 or so strong uh, associates. We do use external partners. Mm -hmm. um, so it's all dependent upon need at the time. Um, our structure, it's... I would say fairly traditional plus a little, right? So it's mm -hmm. we have our infrastructure and operations team and all of our cloud work kind of rolls into them. Yep. We have two software engineering organizations that really comprise our overall product engineering. Um, we have information security, our platform engineering and architecture team. And so that, you know, we think about that developer experience and building out kind of the guardrails and the automations to accelerate our engineering teams. Uh, we have a great data engineering and analytics team. So as you can imagine, um, with the volume of data that we have, the, the amount of uh, services we provide, that team is so busy all the time, uh, which yes. is absolutely fantastic. Uh, we have a agile uh, project management office. And what that team is really focused in on is our ways of working, making sure that we're constantly trying to you know, better ourselves, be more efficient with our teams, um, more effective, you know, help our engineering teams have better information to build from. Um, and then here recently, we brought over our product management team. I, I'm super excited about this. So our product management team okay. built up of some amazing uh, leaders and talent that have co largely come from our business. And so they've, they've yeah. operated, they've maybe been in sales, they've maybe have been in finance. Yeah. And then over the course of their career, then they moved into the product engineering role or product management role. It's so now by bringing them in closer, we really have that entire product life cycle under our umbrella. And so being able to drive that accountability 
all mm-hmm. the way from ideation through engineering, you know, building, building, getting then the feedback from those customers and creating that great virtual loop. Okay. Well, I do want I do want to call out one more thing there because I'm good. this one I'm super excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this might be somewhat unique to our organization is we have a dedicated learning and development team within our technology team. Good. So it's um, our, our L&D team works very closely with our company's L&D organization, but they are 100% focused on building a continuous learning organization within technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something we've really been leaning into really over the last year or so. And I, you know, I want to share a couple of things that they're doing because they're, they're really excited and we're getting great feedback from our team. Uh, one is we call it Tech Trek. And Tech Trek is all about building curriculum for roles based on where we're going in the future. So there's technologies of the future that we're leaning into. How can we you know, create the curriculum for our teammates so they can start to work through those? Um, it's about building um, specific um, action lanes where both the technology and a leadership one so that you know, from a technology one, we'll have external speakers and they'll come in and they'll talk to us about uh, Kafka or they'll talk to us about mm-hmm. the next technology that we might be considering. We'll also have some of our senior engineers talk about best practices and what they're experimenting with and learning. Yeah. And then we have more on the business and leadership side talking about coaching and mentoring and setting goals and presentation skills. And, and, and this, is, this is, is all inside the technology this team. Is this is, you're not team. borrowing people from HR. 100% within our team, and and which all sounds overwhelming. So if you're a, if you're a technologist right now, you're an engineer, you're like, holy cow, how can I do with that and all yeah. of everything else? Well, that's where I think the kind of the secret sauce for us is uh, we dedicate time uh, for this activity. So each sprint, our, our teams, they have hours to dedicate to focused learning. Every three sprints, mm-hmm. we get together and it is an all together. We're going to learn together and work through, um, you know, our learning tracks. And so we, people will go in and they'll sign up for sessions and yeah. we'll, we'll be recording those and we put them back out there so people can watch later. So it's a, uh, it's a pretty fantastic um, program that we have going. I'm so proud of our team that that is really championing that. Wow. Now in, in an organization of 450, 50, 425 plus of you. How large is this learning organization? And was this in place when you arrived in late 21? Or is this one of your, um, you know, one of the things you added as the CIO? They are um, a a small but mighty team of, I think we're at uh, four right now. Okay. Oh, it's it's not dozens of people. It is not dozens of people. And it was Mm -hmm. in place uh, prior. So good. Mm -hmm. Learning here is... Within our culture, it, it is just this critical component. Uh, you know, I mentioned the shadowing. We also do shadowing for for our leaders within technology. Yeah. So we ask our leaders to spend three days a year shadowing the sales teams or shadowing our support teams, and then bring back ideas that we can mm-hmm. build uh, to help them. So, um, yeah, that leadership investment um, and that overall training investment here is is definitely been critical throughout. Uh, mm-hmm. So now it's a new organization, uh, you know, what I mentioned there on our tech track, definitely a, a new program uh, that we're Good. excited about. But how do you make that successful with only four people? You yeah. do it by all of the other leaders within your technology organization, also leaning in, creating those curriculums, spending time with their, you know, the associates on their teams and say, what do you want to learn? 
Mm-hmm. Where do yes. we have gaps and really, really get in and understand kind of your teammates, what are their career aspirations are and how those line up to where we want to go technically and then build the programs around that. Okay. Now, is there any part of this where you are doing specific mentoring or maybe you're getting mentoring from someone else on the senior business team? How do you get involved in this? Yeah. So uh, we actually have a uh, structured mentoring program. So I mentor several of our teammates here. Uh, I also get to mentor and spend time with uh, some of our uh, sales leaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's which I would say is more reverse mentoring as much as anything. So while, you know, maybe I have something to offer them, I am learning so much about yeah. our business, yeah. their challenges day to day. We've actually extended that. So right now, um, earlier this year, we rolled out a program where we've taken 25 of our top sales leaders and we've paired them with 25 of our technology leaders and they get together and learn from each other. So their sales leaders are learning about how technology can help them. And our sales, or I'm sorry, technology, mm-hmm. leaders, they're sitting in on customer calls. They're sitting in on sales meetings. Okay. They're yeah. getting a deeper understanding. In fact, I had one of our sales leaders reach out this morning and say how, how excited he was because one of our technology leaders are in Chicago today spending time with he and his team. That's great. It's just fantastic well, to hear that. Well, and it, it can also be a great indicator to your customers when you when you show up at maybe you show up at meetings with big customers and you don't just have sales and product people there, but you actually have someone from the tech team. And that's well, that that's a really great indicator how important, how, how deeply embedded technology is in the, the business strategy. Um, and related, I've got some questions piling up. We've got a very, we've got a very active group out there on LinkedIn and YouTube. So thanks for that to our audience. Uh, this is back to um, a question about data and the use of data in the digital landscape, which I know given your chief data officer kind of background, and this will be very familiar with you. But the question is, how does TQL, how does TQL effectively manage process and get meaningful insights from the vast amount of data that you collect? And maybe you could pick a couple, maybe an example or two of how you get some of those insights that are all part of this hyper growth that we've been talking about in terms of what the company is going through. I'm, because I'm sure that's a big part of it. Yeah. And really, Mary Fran, I think that starts a lot with governance. You know, the, the G oh, that nobody ever wants to talk about. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. When, Every- you, when you have, when you have strong data governance and you really can start to understand, you know, what is, um, we, we call it a, a verified data set. Mm-hmm. So if you have a data set about your customers or in our case, loads or something mm-hmm. like that, and going through and saying this data set, we can attest to the quality. We can attest to the lineage of where it's, where did it come from? How did it transform on its journey to wherever it is now that mm-hmm. someone wants to consume it? And then be able to, um, we'll say, control or restrict the access, the accessibility to that data to those individuals that have that need, right? Okay. So there's some data sets, everybody can go in and, and work and, and build reporting or build insights from. And obviously there's other things where that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it, it's really about trying to kind of build that governance model, ensure the quality, build accessibility, and then get to a place where we have these verified data sets. But then from a data uh, ingestion perspective and, and democratization, helping our users understand how to use the data. So as, as a mm-hmm. 
example, um, you know, right now going through and one of our data leaders, she spends time with a lot of folks from our, our different lines of business, helping them understand how to access our data, how to use it, how to build reporting, but, you know, not have this data sprawl. So, okay. You know, still yeah. how do we kind of control, control that, but get more into that education and the overall data literacy um, program. I really think that more and more companies, if they don't already have that in place, is definitely a path that I'm, I'm certain everybody will be going in the future. Yeah. Well, and um, we've been talking a lot about data, and um, I want to kind of pivot over to talking about digital business models. Uh, one of the questions I've been asking a lot of CIOs lately, because it means so many different things to different industries, when you hear when your when your business people and your CEO hear about digital transformation efforts, what does digital transformation mean for TQL and even indeed for the logistics industry itself? Because related to one of our uh, questions that came in, uh, somebody wondered that you know isn't it likely that the entire logistics industry will be automated and run by AI algorithms? So you know this this uh, what. Uh, Take that one next. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that I'm not Nostradamus, so I, I won't make a prediction as <laughs> AI taking over the world or you know anything yeah. like that. What I can tell you, and you know, I mentioned that spectrum within the overall industry. There is, you know, that voice on the other end of the line, and and when we think about our business, you know, our our brokers, our support people, they are literally on the phones all day long, uh, literally twenty four seven helping our customers and our carriers, that personal connection is so critical to build that trust. If you're, if you're moving millions, tens of millions of dollars of goods, you know, there, there's a comfort level that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Looking for, you're often, we'll see often looking for a more strategic partner that you have that have developed a relationship with. Right. Necessarily this transactional, I'm just going to go on, click through a few things and yeah, I want you to pick up $35 million of my goods and I'll just, you know, hope it gets there. Right. <laughs> they they want to talk all the time about where's it at? How's it doing? Yeah. Issues, yeah. Right. Are you there for me? Um, so when mm. we talk about digital transformation or how do we use, you know, uh, any type of technology to move us forward, it's really about how do you augment and enable that experience? Okay. And that is from our associates perspective. How do we use technology to make their experience much more familiar. So we mm -hmm. change management for anything that we do. It's how do you make this a familiar experience? So everybody is used to using their iPhones or you know, yeah. using yeah. you know, certain apps that they just kind of fall into, right? So how do we create this familiar experience to them? And then from our customers, we want it to be this differentiating experience. We want them to know that we know them right? We're there for them. We're providing them the data that says we're delivering for them. So mm -hmm. we start to create that relationship with them. So we, we're the first place that they go okay. when they need something new. And then from our carrier perspective, we're really focused over there because what's the carrier one? They want to know that if they have issues, that you're there to help them go through those issues. They also want to know at the end when they deliver something that they're going to get paid and everything's going to get closed out really fast. Right. Okay. So how do you create that carrier experience? And, and technology really underneath all of this, kind of lifting up that experiences. And then you think about the technologies that are coming out now in terms of AI and generative AI, mm -hmm. 
Um, there are so many places for that to play across the three sets of experiences. Um, yeah. it's, it's wide open. Well, and I think what especially probably business people lose sight of the fact that there's been a good deal of, uh, let's say, advanced analytics slash AI that's already embedded in products and deeply part of an IT organization. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden, I can remember having uh, conversations with CIOs about uh, blockchain when blockchain was, you know, and, and I still hear it described as a technology looking for a solution. But with AI has seemed very different because there has been so much of it with robotic process automation, with RPA, with machine learning and with advanced analytics, it feels more like a curve that is kind of driving everybody forward. Do you have a, are there, is every part of your customer base essentially part digital and part high touch 24-7 human interaction? Or do the customers divide into specific segments? Yeah, I would say they're large, largely on high touch. Okay. Yeah, so where we focus in on are largely those high-touch customers. We do have um, certain customers that prefer that that digital engagement. Yeah. But where we have found the greatest success and really the, I think the area of our business that we look to continue to build around is that high-touch, uh, build that relationship uh, with the customer. Okay. Yeah, because you had mentioned that there are tech first interactions, um, but that the bread and butter really still is with the 24 by seven. It is, but you know, we also offer our, our customers ways to interact with us that are fully digital. So we, you know, mm -hmm. we have a customer facing website called tracks that they can go in and they can request quotes and they can find out, you know, where, what's the status of their loads. And so we, we want to give that to them. So if, yeah, if that customer, if they, that's how, where they prefer to play, we want mm -hmm. to meet them where they're at, right? Okay. That's the reference. We, we want to provide that service to them. Uh, similarly, on the carrier side, um, there'll be mm -hmm. carriers that would rather have you talking to them. And then there's other carriers that want this digital experience. Mm -hmm. So we actually introduced the first mobile application for carriers um, in the industry. And it's actually the top rated mobile app. It's called Carrier Dashboard. Okay. Um, and that provides an opportunity for our carriers and our, the drivers to go out and choose new loads, you know, mm -hmm. go look at what loads are out there. Maybe, you know, this week they want to get from Chicago to St. Louis. So we want to give them the opportunity to go out there and, and browse and say, okay, well, here's what we have. Yeah. Chicago to St. Louis and are those fits for them? Once they book that load through the application, then they can turn on tracking. And so instead of, you know, us calling mm -hmm. them and saying, Hey, How's it going? Are you having any issues? It just it's automatically through the app giving us updates as to where mm -hmm. they are. And so being able to monitor uh, kind of where that freight is at and how it's doing is super important. And, and we allow, you know, we, we want to have the app do that for them, making that a seamless interaction, non-intrusive to, to the driver. Because, I mean, in the end, the driver has a lot of things going on. Right. Yes. 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 So a lot of real world things that world things going on. That we want them to focus on. on, and so yeah. we want to make that experience as seamless as possible. Okay. And familiar as possible for them. Um, let's and let's continue kind of in that vein, but get even bigger picture. Talk about your top three most strategic priorities for the technology team. You know, the rest of this year and into next year. 
Um, I don't think I've ever met a CIO who didn't have a top three that was keeping him up at night sometimes. So what is your top three? What are you working yeah. on most importantly? So we have like, we have one, two, three, but I'm going to have, we have one A. And so one A that's above everything else. And that is the availability, performance. 24-7. Yeah. Ability, availability of everything that we have 24-7. So as we've talked about this growth, we've we stressed the 24-7, yep. 365. Obviously, the systems have to be there for everybody to feel confident. So that's, you know, over and above everything else. Okay, so then we kind of drop into our top three major um, initiatives right now. Um, so modernization is mm -hmm. uh, our top initiative. And so modernization is all about um, going back and looking at these amazing platforms that have supported our organization for a long time. We have scaled through the pandemic. But now how do we, you know, build that platform, modify the platform in such a way that opens up greater opportunities in the future? And then also mm -hmm. to sort of interject a lot of this new technology uh, that's available to us that we didn't necessarily have before. Uh, so that's definitely top of mind. And, and then like so many others, uh, we have an ERP program going on. So we are rolling out a new financial platform mm -hmm. uh, and that you know, similar to the modernization story, that's because of scale, right? So yeah. we're right in the throes of, of rolling that out, um, working through the configuration of the platform, but then of course, all the integrations to all the applications yeah. you can interact with your ERP system. Yeah, I would imagine that would be, I'm, I, I guess I'm not surprised that you didn't put that number one on the list because I know the customer service in the 24-7 is a driving force for the whole company, but a new ERP system, that's the kind of thing that <laughs> it makes you sit back and you feel like the wind in your hair at that point. And this is a whole new platform. You're not just upgrading what the company's been using for the last 20 years. Yeah, so uh, major platform change, uh, major integration change, data changes. So mm -hmm. um, the team that we've assembled, you know, is a remarkable team. Um, and they're, you know, you've, you've been around and, and seen ERP solutions and, and how challenging oh, yeah. these are. So, mm -hmm. um, but I tell you, I'm so proud of the work. It, both from our technology teams, our product teams, and then our line of business partners to see them cohesively come together and, you know, work through the hard decisions, the hard conversations that have to happen mm -hmm. through a program like that. What are some of the, and considering those those very big balls in the air, essentially, what are some of the biggest talent needs that you have right now? Yeah, I would say that, you know, we're always looking for, you know, product management, product owners, uh, software engineers, infrastructure engineers. It's really uh, opportunistic for us. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our path and our goal is to continue to grow the organization. And when we do that, we know that we're going to have opportunities for great talent in a lot of different places. Yeah. We really you know, lean on our associates for referrals. So we love oh. it when people draw from their networks. And so we help, we try to help people get out and create new networks. Because, mm -hmm. you know, who do you want to work with more than anybody? It's going to be the person that you know, you enjoy being around, that you trust. Yeah. Right? And when new people come into that network and they, they um, you kind of, you start to trust them, then all of a sudden you're like, well, who's in your network, right? Who yeah. can you bring in? And so right. uh, we love that model here, um, mm -hmm. but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty wide open from the types of roles that we're looking for. Oh, 
Okay. Well, and I know that you have a large percentage of your tech team is actually physically located in the Cincinnati area. Has has that changed over time? I mean, as you've been going, as the company's gone through the pandemic years, I can remember early on CIOs were very excited. They said, we've always been a traditionally kind of hometown. You had to be where the company is, but now I can hire from anywhere. Uh, the problem being that so could everybody else. So do you have, what do you do in terms of remote teams and hybrid environments? Yeah, we have three technology hubs. So Cincinnati, mm -hmm. Charlotte, and Tampa. And so, you know, first we try to hire within those hubs. We really feel that, you know, having this connection, uh, being able to see face-to-face, -face, you know, we operate in a hybrid model. So, yeah. we have, you know, days a month that our teammates are, are hybrid and remote. Uh, but we love to get people together face to face. So we think about connection, you know, can mm -hmm. you know, build those relationships, you know, start to build that trust amongst teams, drive collaboration. Mm -hmm. So that face to face, being able to walk up to a board, you know, and start drawing new architectures, especially when thinking about like modernization and new technologies that are coming out. Um, and then our culture, our culture is one that, you know, we're constantly, you know, leaning into each other. Um, I, I call it this all-in-to-win culture, uh, where we know that if we're there for each other, uh, we satisfy and, and create this awesome experience out there for our customers and our carriers, then the company wins. And so mm -hmm. we want to, you know, we support our culture through that as well. So, you know, connection, collaboration, and culture, uh, we try to do that first within Cincinnati, Tampa, and Charlotte. And then if if we mm -hmm. can't find the talent, you're, you're, in the end, you are you are supporting a business. Yeah. Right. So you, you try to find other ways to do that. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, one of the uh, one of the other questions from our alert listening audience here talks about what a tough business logistics is just as your industry and that margins are slim and OPEX operating expenditures are high. How do you as the CIO, how do you ensure that you get paid on time while you're managing all your reserves to operate? Now that may get more into product operations. That sounds more like what you were doing at Kroger, uh, but I thought I'll bet I'll bet you know something about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the end, if you let's take let's go from that from the technology side. Yeah. And so when you think about that payment on time, it really gets into how do you collect all of you know whether it's digital or physical paperwork that comes mm -hmm. in for a particular um, we call them loads and. Mm -hmm. It, it, the complexity that comes with this is a single load maybe have been on a container and then it may have been on a rail. And at some point, maybe it was in a warehouse and then maybe across the custom, you know, across the border. And then it got onto a truck. And you know, so that could be one, one actual load. And so the complexity that comes with that, how yeah. do I gather all of that information together in such a way that we can validate that that is accurate, it's complete, and then mm -hmm. get that uh, to our customer um, to be able to satisfy from a payment perspective what they need to see. Sure. Um, come back around and kind of close that loop. Um, it is. It can be challenging. And that we, we talk about AI and OCR and RPA. Those are all areas where we have opportunities that we're investigating or using currently mm -hmm. to help that process. 
Yeah. Um, and I know we, we mentioned when we were getting ready for this interview and also as we're talking here, the word opportunities comes up a lot. You know, there are opportunities that TQL was spotting in the market, especially supply chain, which all of a sudden we we all learned a whole lot more about supply chain and all the complexity of it over the last few years. And if we weren't paying attention before, we pay attention now. So when you look at all that complexity, is there anything particular um, what what do you what could you highlight from what the tech team has accomplished that shows the uh, kind of the the new role the technology is playing there in terms of tracking all those logistics? Yeah, if you go back to you mentioned the the pandemic and and all the we've heard supply chains so much yeah. in Q three of twenty twenty one. If you go and listen to all the earnings calls out there, you actually heard supply chain come up an increase of the word supply chain over 400% more than in preceding quarters. Yes. So very real, very, uh, very much a challenge. And so, yeah, when, you know, any type of organization, they're going to look at that and say, where, where is the opportunity within the challenge? Mm -hmm. So within our technology team, it really is about getting closer to our business partners and our product management teams say, okay, within, um, ocean or air or drayage, what are those things that you need right now that we need to pivot on to be able to satisfy and, and move the ball forward in a meaningful way so that yeah. we can start to answer the bell on those mm -hmm. opportunities? Um, and I think this is one of the things that when I mean, you think about the pandemic in general and a lot of probably common challenges across the, the CIO community mm -hmm. is prior to the pandemic, when we would do that opportunity assessment, it was a, a bit of a deliberate and intentional activity. You would go through a planning process. You yes. would go through all these yeah. big business cases. It, and then it was a little more structured. Yeah. There was a lot of structure, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happens. And it was, yeah, well, this was going to take you nine months, but we need it by Tuesday. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, I think that organizations started to learn what they're really capable of. If you strip it all down, and you mm -hmm. said, you know execution is number one, the customer is number one. What are we really capable of? Um, a lot of processes were, I would say, pushed off to the side. Um, probably some duct tape and bailing wire were put in there, you know, so mm -hmm. you're not exactly the way you'd want it, but you answered that opportunity and you all of a sudden proved to the rest of the company and your, your customers, you're able to achieve things that you didn't actually know you could do before. Yeah. So now where's the challenge? The challenge and the new opportunity that comes in is that's probably not how you want to operate day day after day. <laughs> hair, the hair on fire approach. Yeah, it's, there's a yeah. lot of tech debt. There's a lot of challenge that comes with that. You know, yeah. just it's hard. But you don't want to go back to how you, it was before in this sort of deliberate, um, mm -hmm. I'll say, onerous activities. Yeah. I'll stop saying slow. You want to find sort of this middle ground that all of a sudden you've learned to stretch and grow and you know in a new way but how do you do that in, in the responsible way as well yeah um so i, I find that when we, we talk about um those challenges those opportunities that's how i think about those that how do you kind of get the best of both worlds well and i can remember talking to lots of cios over the last few years about a certain level of um, kind of, I guess I'm going to say discomfort and angst that this can cause in technology teams that are used to having a process and having a certain pace. Um, do you think that the, uh, the technology teams have formed whole new ways of 
looking at this now? I mean, have have technology people started to shed some of the kind of cautionary, slower paced moves that used to, that's why the department often was considered the department of no. It's like, oh, well, you want to do that. Well, no, we can't do that because that's going to expose this, that, and the other thing. Uh, how comfortable do you think, you know, do you find your own staff are now with that idea that the the slow, careful, you know, like the all of the I's dotted and T's crossed approach of past IT methods um, don't fit the modern world as we have it now. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll set apart um, TQL as, as being an exception to my experience. Uh, we're an entrepreneur company. Okay. Um, so we talk about taking risks and pushing forward fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's what we want to do um, in a responsible way. So <laughs> I'm, I'm super fortunate that um, our technology team here, they are so open to learning, uh, trying, experimenting. Um, if we're going to fail, let's fail early, right? So we can mm-hmm. pivot and, and try something else. But it's really about that alignment to the customer. Um, I do feel like as I talk to my peers in industry, mm-hmm. there, there definitely is a shift though, broadly. Okay. It, you know, people have had this taste and it, it feels different to operate at that speed. Yeah. You don't want to go back. Uh, and so now it's like, how do you preserve the good parts of that? Yeah, I know. It's like you've uh, suddenly taken up running and the idea of going back to sedate nature walks is, you know, not the kind of thing you want to do all the time, I guess. Um, Thinking about uh, leadership and your own leadership style, uh, you've been in lots of management and leadership positions, both at Kroger and at Reynolds and Reynolds over the last 15 years or so, uh, 20 years, I guess, 20 plus. Um, What has changed now that you've been a CIO for, gosh, it'll be two years in October, um, what do you see changed in yourself um, as a leader now that you've taken on chief information officer, you've added to all of your other titles? Yeah, it's, um, there, there's a lot to unpack there. So, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> go into you mm-hmm. know, probably the things that I've, I've prioritized above more than any. Um, as yeah. we went through, you know, I was at Kroger through the better part of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and really started to uh, have a much better understanding of, of some of my own leadership style. Um, how do I get more deep rooted in my values? Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I did a great um, exercise about 10 years ago. One of my mentors said, if you want to be a great leader, you have to understand why you lead. And so okay. take the time, go home, write down your values and what, why you, cause that in, in the end, that's what comes through, right? That's what comes yeah. through your team. And so it took me a long time to do that. It took me you know, probably weeks. And but mm-hmm. it's been something's been so powerful that I've, I've shared it with all of my teams and say, here are my values. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm not putting these out in front of you because you know I want you to do the same. I'm putting them out in front of you because I want you to hold me accountable to these. When I'm falling short, and I will, I want you to, to help me be better. Well, as we went through the pandemic and then moving into this role and you know, there's two um, items on there, two values that really, I think, put to come to the forefront. And those are empathy and humility. Uh, and I know you hear these a lot from, yeah. from other CIOs. Um, you know, I think about sort of the mentors from afar, the people that you've never met, but you you get you have the opportunity to read about it or you watch videos. And Alan Mulally is one of those people for me. And, and he talks a lot about empathy and humility and um, I try I try to take a lot of those learnings in his style of leadership and think mm-hmm. about 
know, from an empathy perspective, it's about through all of this, how can I learn more about you? I've, I'll never have your experiences. I'll never really understand what you go through, but I can listen. Yes. Right? And I can try. Right. So how do I, how do I become better at that? So you and I have a better connection. And then on the humility yeah. side, and you have experiences and I have experiences and we all may address a problem or an opportunity in a different way. But what happens if we kind of put our egos aside, come together and say, you know what, let's just admit up front, we don't know everything, but together we're going to come up with something that's one plus one equals three or more. Mm-hmm. And so we take these two things, this humility and this empathy and bring that together. And um, here in this role and being able to connect with the team on a day in day out basis in a challenging environment and challenging market and, you know, coming through post pandemic, I found that those those two values are probably the most important, um, you know, for me to kind of reset myself every single day. How did I do today? How did I do yesterday? What do I want to do to be better? Um, Yeah, Yeah. so those those are uh, two big ones uh, from my Mm -hmm. ownership journey here over the last, you know, 18 months. Yeah. Well, good. Well, good. Those are those are wonderful values to share. And I do I have heard much more about empathy and listening skills from CIOs over the last few years. So it's just uh, someone uh, someone said that, you know, fundamentally they try every day to be a better human being than they were the day before. And I mean, this this must be why it's always so wonderful to talk to technology leaders, because there's there's a lot like you out there. And I'm I'm I know that we're grateful for that at CIO.com. Um, thank you so much, Ryan. This has really been a wonderful conversation. And thanks too to our audience. You sent in really, really deep and thoughtful questions, and we appreciate that. It's been it's been great having you here today. Really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for the opportunity, Mary. I had a lot of fun. Good, good. I, that's I was guaranteeing you that, as you'll remember, right at the top. I said you'll be amazed how fast this time goes by. <laughs> If you joined us late today, don't worry, you can watch the full episode of my conversation with Ryan right here on LinkedIn and also on CIO.com and on CIO's YouTube channel. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And I do hope you enjoyed today's conversation with CIO Ryan Kane of Total Quality Logistics in Cincinnati. I'll be taking a summer break for the next couple of weeks, but we will be back with more episodes of CIO Leadership Live on Wednesday, September 13th at noon Eastern when I will be talking with CIO Katrina Augusti of Carhartt. Thanks again for joining us today. Take a moment, if you will, to subscribe to our YouTube channel, CIO's YouTube channel, where you'll be delighted to find all of the 100 plus previous episodes of CIO Leadership Live. Enjoy what's left of your own summertime and tune in again with us next month. We'll look forward to seeing you then and take care.